Man, let's go to Mark chapter number four, if you would. We'll make our way there in just a few moments. Mark chapter number four. Your theme for the conference is um, here to pray and to give and to go. And uh, sometime throughout uh, this conference, I'll preach on each of those particular thoughts of uh, pray, give, and go. I was here back in September for the bio conference and appreciate the opportunity to come back again for this missions conference. Uh, your pastor is a, quite the host and appreciate it much. And uh, we had a great time of fellowship today and uh, look forward to some more and some fellowship last night as well. You know, when you think of this thought of pray, give, and go, Sometimes I'm afraid that we have divided the assignment. And so we take the assignment, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and sometimes we, dis we uh, divide it into segments. And so even with the thought of pray, give, and go, I thought of the fact that the sad part is it is possible that some would choose uh, to participate in praying and participate in giving, but then not participate in going. Would feel that the praying and the giving was their part. And so to divide it, we simply then say, which part is my part in that of the Great Commission? I do want to remind you, if you would, before we get into Mark, would you go with me to Matthew 28? Matthew 28, and I just, my thought for tonight is going to be uh, one of those, uh, pray, give, and go. But I want you to notice this. I, again, I thought to myself, sometimes people will pray and give, and they think that's their part, and they don't go. Sometimes... A person will give and uh, they will pray because what they have given, they want it to be used right, but then they don't go. Sometimes I'm afraid even some may go and they pray because they're going, but they think that's their part of giving. And so if we're not careful, we choose which part of uh, the assignment we're given. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter number 19, if you would. And I just want to run through a couple of verses before we get to the book of Mark. In Mark, Matthew chapter 19, very familiar verse. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Would you go with me to the book of Mark? And as we move our way through the Gospels, we get to the 16th chapter of the book of Mark. And in the 16th chapter of the book of Mark, after, um, after being with them, Jesus says this, or excuse me, Mark chapter, um, let's see, is it Mark 16? Yes, Mark 16, and uh, just for sake of time, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke in the 24th chapter. And of course, Jesus has showed himself to the men on the way of Emmaus in Luke chapter number 24. 
And in Luke chapter number 24, verse 47 says, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, a very familiar verse. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. Here he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. I just want to simply say this. I find that the Great Commission, as we call it, is four times in the Bible. These four times, at least, very specifically in the Bible. I want to say it very reverently. Prayer is not part of it. Giving's not part of it. The Great Commission is going. It's going. But what we have done in some cases is we've chosen to participate in the Great Commission without doing the commission. Because the commission is to go. In all of them, it's go. Now, does that diminish the fact that we are to pray? The answer is no. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his field. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. So we'll find places where prayer is very important. We know that giving is essential because a person cannot go without the finances to go. But the Great Commission in and of itself is go. It's go. The others are means by which to accomplish the assignment. But the assignment of the Great Commission in and of itself is the simple thought of go. Go into all the world. That's why when we read a Acts chapter 1, if we're not careful, we separate again. We separate because it says, go into Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. We go to the book of Acts and we can see the first seven chapters are about Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 are about Judea and Samaria. Chapters 13 through 28 are about the uttermost. So again, in my mind, if I'm not careful, because of the way I think, I think in segments and sections and portions. Thus then, I look at the fact that I'm to be involved in the Great Commission. But what's my part? What's my role? Is my role a part or is my role a whole? So being involved in the Great Commission... The times that we've read tonight in here, really none of them have the inclusion of praying nor giving. But they do in going. In going. So you might be here tonight and you say, well, does that mean that we're all to be foreign field missionaries and go to the foreign field? The answer is no. But the going into all the world, all the world means where we're at because where we're at is someone else's uttermost. And so that's their uttermost. They're responsible for the uttermost, which is our Jerusalem. 
But we're responsible for the uttermost in Jerusalem. So we're responsible for where we're at plus where we should be. But the great commission given is the subject of go. I'd like you to now go to Mark chapter number 4, if you would. Mark 4. And let me begin with a word of prayer and I'll go to Mark 4 and we'll get into where we're going this evening. My Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and your blessings. Lord, I don't know if any individual in this room has, has separated uh, personally their responsibility. And uh, they may have never just thought that they'll give and that be their part. Or they'll pray and that be their part. Now, there comes time in a person's life when they cannot go as they used to go. But they can still go in another form or fashion they can still participate in the reaching the world with the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight just for a few moments, this, this subject of pray, give, and go. And so, Lord, I love you and thank you for yourself and thank you for this church. Asked in Christ's name, amen. In Mark chapter number four, we're going to get to chapter five here in just a moment. But, you know, I kind of wrote this thought down. You know, sometimes life's greatest lessons uh, we learn on the way someplace, not just when we get someplace. So sometimes uh, when we get there, it's different than what we thought. And if we're not careful on our way to where we're going, we miss something. And primarily, I'm going to go to chapter 5, but tonight I want to... I want to draw your attention to chapter 4 because they were on their way. So the disciples are on their way becoming what Jesus wants them to become. He has said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. So they're on their way to becoming what God wants them to become. Everything he did was on purpose. Every place he took them, every statement he gave, uh, every event that he did, every miracle that he did, uh, everything that he did, he did on purpose. So he's with his disciples and he is, he, is, uh, he is taking them from point A to point B, from where, where he picked them up to where they're going to be. Where are they going to be? They're going to be one day, uh, in not too long a period of time, they're going to be standing and they're going to be gazing up into heaven. And Jesus will have just left them with the gospel being available through his death, burial, and resurrection. And the assignment to take the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection into all the world. And they're going to be left there looking into heaven. And how do I, where do we do now? In this particular passage in the book of, um, book of Mark, if you would just mark a few words with me, go down to uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 5, and some fell on stony ground which had much earth, and immediately... In verse number 16, he said, and they heard the word immediately in verse number 17, and immediately they were offended. And so in verse number 29, and when the fruit he has brought forth immediately, uh, there's this thought in verse chapter 5 and verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately 
there met him in verse number 13 of chapter 5 and forth with the Bible said in verse 29 of chapter 5 it says in straightway in verse 30 it says in Jesus immediately in chapter number 5 in verse number 42 it is straightway so we find this continue the book of Mark is 16 chapters and if you study them out uh, of those 16 chapters, 12 of them begin with the word and. It is just a continuation of them becoming what God wants them to become. So it's one event on top of another, one miracle on top of another, one place on top of another, one lesson on top of another. Why? Because they're going to become what God wants them to become. In the, in the fourth chapter, what we find is Jesus has been teaching and he has been speaking to them about parables. Go back to chapter number four, look in verse 33. The Bible said, and with much such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So what's he doing? What he's doing, he is teaching his disciples. He is instructing them. He is helping them become what they are to become. He is developing them to do that. Well, when you continue on in verse number 36 of chapter 4 says, And when they had sent him away, the multitudes, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of the wind. And we know what he did. He puts them on a ship and he lets them go and he doesn't go with them. Well, it goes with them in this particular case. In verse number 37, there arose a great storm and the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow and they awakes. So what do we find? We find Jesus is testing them. He's trying them. He is trying to find out, have they been listening? And are they putting into practice in their life what he has shown them and directed them up to this point in his life and in their lives. So in this passage of scripture, on my way to chapter number five, I wrote down two things that I wrote here that I, by reading these couple of verses. The first thing that I found on the way is God wants me to understand his word. Please understand when you get in the word of God, don't, don't wonder why, why doesn't, why wouldn't God help me to understand that? Look what it says in verse 33. And with such parables spake ye the word unto them as they were able to hear it. And it says, but without a parable spake ye not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. On my way to chapter 5, on my way to my sermon tonight, I found this truth. God wants to open his word to you. So when we get where we're going, he wants you to understand what he's, what he's after. And so I find in this passage this truth that he teaches them parables and does that because he wants them to understand. The second thing I found was that God directed events in their life for the sake of increasing their faith. God put things in their life and allowed things in their life to increase their faith. One of the greatest faith uh, challenges that I've had in my own life is when God called me to pastor First Baptist Church. I had pastored for 13 years. I started a church and I had pastored for 13 years. We had built buildings and so forth and so on. And, but, and, and God had blessed immensely. It was a military work. And uh, I had pastored there for 13 years. 
When God called me to First Baptist Church, it was very, very soon after arriving that I understood that this church, in many ways, had a greater level of faith than I did. But I was the pastor, and I was supposed to be leading them. But how could I lead them if they had a greater level of faith than I did? They had given way more than I'd ever seen given. They had participated in way more than I'd ever participated in. They had been in all kinds of countries. They had been, given, they had been printing the word of God. Their faith was much greater than my own faith. And I was now pastor of the church. And so God had to put things in my life that would help me to grow in my faith. In this passage of scripture, what is he doing? What he's saying is, I want you to hear what I'm saying, but I want you to understand what I'm doing in your life has a purpose. Now, the older that I've gotten, the more I realize that to be true. Because you look back and you understand God wants me to know his word. And God has put things in my life that are so obvious now of what they were there for, but I didn't know what they were there for when he put them there for, right? When you're young or younger, you don't what? You're, you just went out. You just went through. You just want it to be over. You just want it to be done. But you find out by looking in the rearview mirror when they got done. When you close out chapter 4, look what happens in chapter 4, verse 41. And they feared exceedingly, and they said, this is the disciples. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know what? They hadn't yet come to the conclusion of who he was. And so what was God doing? God was putting something or allowing something in their life to get them to really grasp who he was. He wanted them to understand his word, so he taught in parables. And then he put them on the ship, and he wanted them to understand who he was in the fact that he was God. So in our life, along the way, as we've been headed towards whatever we feel like God's going to put us or has put us or done with us, we can look back and we can say, wow, I can see now what he was doing. I can see now what he did. I can now figure it out. I didn't, didn't then, but I do now. So on my way to my sermon, I got those two thoughts. Now, you ready for the sermon? I'll be quick. Okay. Remember what my subject is. My subject is go. That's my subject. Now, how are we going to get this subject and where are we going to get this subject? We're going to get it now in chapter number five. And let me begin reading at verse number one. They're bewildered. They don't know what's going on. The Bible says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, of course, that's Jesus, what happens immediately? They have no time to stop and think. They have no time to figure it out. They have no time to rest. They have no time. They're going from one situation to the next situation to the next situation. But we're going to get a great lesson. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. 
who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had often found bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. He was crying and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? Now, wait a minute. What did chapter 4 end with? They didn't know who he was. What's chapter 5 begin with? Who he was. But who he was now is being told by this maniac of Gadara. And the maniac of Gadara says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now we know the story. What did Jesus do? He cast them out. They said to him, they were legion. There's many. And they said, don't, don't send us away. I just, I'll tell you what, send us into the swine. Well, what happened? Look in verse number 14. And they that fed the swine fled. They told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see it as it had been done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and with the legion, sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they saw it, told them how it befell him was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And of course, everybody threw a party. Hey, this man got saved. We're glad for it. No. No. They were more concerned with the swine. They said they began to pray him to part out of their coast. 18. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home. Here's this maniac who wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus' first command was go. The first thing he said to him was go home. Now, when I wrote that simple thought, my first thought is home. Where's home? If I were to ask you, where's home? You say, well, I live in Jefferson City. Okay. Is that where you were born? Do you have memories of other places? Do you have an old homestead that you go to? Do you have some place that when you think of going home, if I was to go visit my parents, my parents are both alive, I might think, well, I'm going home. And that home for me is in Pennsylvania. So I might go home. If I go home to that little town, about 2,500 people, I will, I will go for a ride. And when I go for a ride, you know what I'll do? I'll go, I'll go home. I'll go to the old homestead. I'll go to the old place where I grew up. 
I go to the place when I remember as a kid. I go to the place where I remember as a teenager. I go to the place where I played ball in the backyard and played ball in the ball fields. And I'll go, I'll go home. I'll go home. Where's your home? And when you think of home, I don't want you to think just of the place you played ball or the place you grew up. But he wasn't telling them to do that. He was telling them to go home for a purpose. And he was telling them it wasn't about going home to see the homestead. It was go home to thy friends. Now I want you in your mind to go back home. I want you to go to your homestead and think about the, the people who lived across the street. And go to your homestead and the, and the people you used to play with as a, as a teenager and you played ball with. Or you played across the street with your, with your neighbors. Or you worked down the street and you worked at such and such a place. And as every, every time you call up one of those places, I want you to call up in your mind a name. I want you to call up in your mind somebody you visually see. I want you to call up in your mind somebody, some person. You see, what, he's, what Jesus is going to tell us is this. We need to go, but we need to go and we need to start by going home. So when you think of the Great Commission, it was to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. So I want to suggest to you, the first of the Great Commission is to go home. So go back in your life to people in your life that God has reminded you of and have you witnessed to them. Have you spent time explaining who God is? Have you shared what God's done in your own life? Or have you gone back to your home front and back to your old neighborhood and back to your old workplace and back to places, whether you were saved or whether you're not? That's not the issue. The issue is what God said to this man is, go home. Go home. Go start there. Start at home. Start with your own family. Start with your sisters. Start with your brothers. Start with your aunts. Start with your uncles. Start with your neighbors. Start with your friends. Start with those in the past. And then go to those in the present. You have neighbors in the present. You have family in the present time. Maybe some of your family is gone. You still have, now you have nephews and nieces. Now you have grandkids and great-grandkids. I mean, I suggest to you, your responsibility of the gospel didn't, didn't and doesn't stop once your children are grown. You now have grandchildren. You now have great-grandchildren. So what has to happen is you've got to go home. And your greatest witness needs to be started at home. He says, go home. Now remember, home can mean certain different things, obviously. Do you remember when Naomi, she went home? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. God had dealt bitterly with me. So, please may I say this. 
go home. But when you go home, talk about what God's done. Don't blame God for what's happened in your life. Don't blame God for things that didn't turn out the way you thought they should. Don't blame God for some event that's transpired in your life. Don't blame God for that. Don't go home bitter. You need to have a good testimony. When you sit around Thanksgiving time, your testimony will be how you love God, not that you're bitter with God. Not that you have ought with God. Not that you're mad with some, somebody in the church. Not that you're mad with the preacher. You're mad that somebody did something. No, 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 friend. When you go home, whoever your home is, whoever your family is, number one, I suggest to you, go home and tell them what God has done. Now look at this phrase. He says, and I need to hasten my time. Look what he tells them to do in verse 19. Go home. I got a question for you. Where did he live? Look at verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who was doing what? He was dwelling in the tombs. Did Jesus tell him to go back to the tombs? No. You know what this tells me? This tells me that this man has lived in some situation that obviously he becomes indwelt with the devils and thus in reality he's lost his home and he's lost his friends but what God did in his life restored his home and restored his friends that's what happens so what happens here is he said, go home. And he said, go home to thy friends. And my thought was, who are his friends? I wonder if he just thought to himself, man, I haven't seen so-and-so for so long. I had living in the tombs. They'd, they'd come up and tried to help me, and I, would, I, would, I wouldn't let them help me. I was cutting myself. I lived in the tombs. And now God, what God said is, I've changed your life. Go home and go to thy friends. So you want to know who you ought to be going to in the Great Commission? Your family and your friends. You say, well, I can't go overseas. I didn't ask you to go overseas. God didn't ask you to go overseas. What God asked you to do is go home to your family. What God asks you to do is to, are you, are you telling your friends? Are you telling those that are closest to you? You say, well, preacher, don't you know that the Bible says that a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. And thus, my family just won't listen. I, I don't want to tell them. What's interesting, if you go to the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, that Jesus took them to Nazareth. And they rejected him at Nazareth. And he couldn't do miracles in Nazareth. Why did he take them there? He was taking away their excuse of saying, I can't go home. I can't go to my friends. You don't know what I've done. My friends won't listen. You don't know what my family's like. They don't love God. They don't serve God. I can't witness to my family. May I say to you, if you and I are going to do the Great Commission, we got to start at home. 
And you gotta start with your friends. So don't think it's everybody else on some other part of the world a long way away to people I don't know, languages I can't speak. I can't afford to do that. That's why you go to your friends. That's why you go home. Because the first assignment of the Great Commission is the word in verse 19. He said, go home to thy friends. And when you go home to your friends, here's what you do. You tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. You tell them what God's done in your own life. You see, the Apostle Paul, we know it in the book of Acts, he went to the uttermost. But why when the man who went to the uttermost, is it recorded three times that he just gave his own personal testimony? Because you and I ought to be very, very open with our families and our friends about what God has done in our own lives and has changed us. You see, the reason you don't want to meet an old friend is because you're afraid what that old friend remembers that you did that you shouldn't have done and was, you lived in a sinful condition and thus you don't want to meet that friend because you're afraid what that friend will think. May I suggest to you, go find that friend. Go find that family member. And here's what you do. Tell them what great things God has done. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Our Father in heaven, thank you for yourself. Lord, if we just follow the example that you gave us in the word of God in every area of our life. And here was a man who had lived differently than he was living when you found him or when he came to you. But when he came to you and he went away different, you sent him on a great commission. You sent him with the command to go the same command you've given to the church to go. And you told him to go home and go to his friends and tell them how great things God has done. And so, Lord, tonight as this group of people has sat here, I suspect that names and faces have come to their minds and they've thought of people of the past people in their present family that they've not went to. They've not told yet how great things you've done in their life. They've not shared their testimony of what they once were, but now are. And I pray that you'd help each of us to understand we have to go. If we're gonna fulfill the command, we have to go. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, the pastor will come just a moment. I do wanna ask you, is there, is there somebody that came to your mind? An old friend, an old coworker, an old neighbor. And in your mind and in your heart, you have to think to yourself, did I, did I ever tell them about Jesus? Would they even recognize the life I live now because of the life I lived then 
and what God's done is so marvelous in my life. And I simply want to ask you, why won't you tell them? Why won't you be involved in the Great Commission? And why won't you go home? Why won't you go to that friend, that coworker? Who is it? I don't know them, but you know them. And if God's working in your heart right now about somebody, would you just ask God to help you? Maybe by the end of the week, maybe by the end of the month, you'd say, Lord, just let me make a phone call. Let me tell somebody I'm sorry that I never, I never told you about Jesus. Let me, let, me, let me reach back to somebody in my past. And I'm not going around the world, but I will go to an old friend or even an old enemy, an old foe, someone you need to ask forgiveness of something. And you're going to go because that's the first part. That is the Great Commission, is go. Let's stand, if you would. The pastor's going to come, and he'll lead us in whatever invitation he chooses. Church, let's bow our heads and pray that pray just what, what Brother Dutry asked us to pray right now. And I, what, God, what might God be doing in your heart as far as that person or people that came to mind? But here at the very beginning of this global focus, it, it will do every one of us, including your pastor, it would do every one of us well to fully surrender our hearts to every message we're going to hear this week. And this, this message tonight about uh, praying and giving, not being part of the Great Commission, that's a bell ringer. The, the Great Commission's given to all of us. So as, as Angie begins to play here, I, maybe you need to come to the altar tonight and say, God, you've put this person on my heart, or God, will you put a person on my heart? Like he said, by the end of this week or the end of this month, who's the one you'd have me talk to? Or maybe you already know. But you let God have his way in your heart tonight, would you? Step out, come to the altar. We're going to have an invitation every night this week. I know Wednesday nights aren't typical for that, but this isn't a typical Wednesday night. What would God have you do? You respond, would you, to that, that message tonight? speak into your heart tonight there's let's not uh, let's not resist the Holy Spirit let's cooperate with what he wants to do in your heart tonight just cooperate with him you don't want better for you than what the Holy Spirit wants for you
Thank you. You can look up this way. That was a good message tonight. That's a convicting message to your pastor. I don't know where you were, but uh, that was excellent tonight. And I'm certainly glad God put that on his heart. I want to encourage you, church, and, and here's how it goes. Let me just tell you how it goes. There's a wonderful group of people here tonight. Tomorrow night, about a third of you are going to choose not to come. And Friday night, half of you that are here tomorrow night are going to say, this has been a long week. I want to encourage you, don't let Satan win that victory. Amen. You just don't. You just give priority to what God wants to do in Faith Baptist Church before he does something through Faith Baptist Church. And you come and hear God's word preached by a faithful man. You hear about these mission fields in Mozambique and over in Southeast Asia. And who knows if God doesn't reach down and, and prick somebody's heart in this church and say, you're to go. You're, you're to go. And so plan on being here. Tomorrow night at 7, Friday night at 7, come. You want to join us for lunch tomorrow um, and Friday. We're meeting at noon, and, and our missionary guests are going to be uh, bringing a devotion each, each, each day at lunch. Uh, come and join us. We're going to have a good time this week. Um, it's not the same. Let me just say this. You can, you can talk yourself into staying home and watching this on live stream. You all don't know how many times, and th those of you that are locked in your home and you can't get out, don't panic. But you know how many times I've thought about just shutting that live stream off because so many in our church use that as a crutch. Now, it's a wonderful tool for those that need it. But there are a lot that just use it as a crutch. Don't do that. It's not the same as being here. And those who have to stay home to use live stream, I guarantee you they would be here if they could. They tell me that all the time. It's not the same as being there. So come tomorrow night. You'll be blessed. Come Friday night. You'll be blessed. It'll be good. Melanie Parrott, can I put you on the spot? Would you come up here? That's, that was me. I just asked the question. I said, just come on up, will you? Melanie's our, she and her husband, Matt, are missionaries in Bolivia. She's home on medical leave, for lack of a better term. And I'm going to ask her to just let you know what's been going on the last month. And then... Um, Brother John Yingling, I'm going to have you come and pray for Melanie and pray for our conference. You close us out, okay? I'll stay here with you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> um, thank you, Pastor Mark. Um, guys, it is so, so good to be here. Um, if you've known me for a long time, this used to be my home church before I got married, and so it's always a blessing to come back. Um, we are the parrots, myself, my husband, Matt, and our three children are missionaries to Bolivia, South America. We have been on the field for almost two years. Um, it was not what we expected it to be, um, but God had a plan. And it's been really, really good to be there and to learn the culture and learn the language. Um, in fact, my husband was teaching a discipleship class tonight at our church plant, and um, the people wanted it. We didn't have a Wednesday night service, and they asked two weeks ago, can we do this every week? We want to learn. We want to grow. We want you to teach us the Bible. And so tonight was the first Wednesday night service of Vista Clara Iglesia Bautista, and um, that's a blessing. And so I just want to say thank you so much for praying for our family. Um, coming home was a bit unexpected. I will have surgery on my hand on Friday. And um, it, I, was, I decided I would trim our tree, our palm tree in our yard with a machete and um, took a spike to the palm of the hand and it never came out. So 
Ah, they're going to take it out Friday, so I would appreciate your prayers for that. And please be praying for my husband, who's at home with our three children, Tallulah, Lily, and Matthew. Um, so he's kind of in charge of the house and homeschool, including the church and teaching and preaching and everything. So he's got a lot on his plate right now while I'm home. So Amen. thank you. Amen. Stay up here, and Brother okay. John will pray for you, all right? Okay. And when she, said, she said, Spike, if you've never seen the thorn that's on that palm frond, Get her to show you the picture of it. It's <laughs> not a thorn. It's a, it's a beast, and it's stuck in her hand for how long? Over five weeks. So, pray for her. She's in a lot of pain, and surgery Friday. Surgery Friday. So, yeah. Amen. You pray for her, right, brother John. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're a good God, and we can come to you. And Lord, I thank you for this conference that reminds us and encourages us and provokes us to tell the world about you especially our family and friends tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us all be faithful to this meeting, to these meetings, that you would work in our hearts, you'd work in my heart, and that you would continue to bless. Father, I pray that you would help the parrots. Lord, I think of Matt down there in Bolivia with uh, Tallulah and Lily and, and uh, Matthew, and I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage them and strengthen them, help Matt as he's playing Mr. Mom. And Lord, I pray for Melanie, as she has this, her surgery coming up, I pray that you'd be with the doctors. I pray that it would be quick and, and uh, that she would heal quickly and there would be little pain. I just pray you'd bless and help her to be able to uh, return quickly back to her family there in Bolivia. Lord, we know you have a plan for her to be here right now. You orchestrated everything. And Lord, I pray that whatever purpose you have for Melanie to be here, that you would fulfill it in her and through her and that we would be able to encourage her this week as well. I just pray that you would continue now to bless this meeting. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.